0: win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ring of Gambling feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel America's number one sports book right now. You can check out the new and improved parlay hub filter by odds, sport and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus start betting on the explore page and the pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG.
1: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon.
2: It's
0: truly a Philly thing here. Yeah. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Sheil Kapadia joined by a guest. He thought he was out. We pulled him back in because no one was more excited about the Vic Fangio news than this man. You know him. You love him. Sean Syed from Zoomer Sports. Sean, I mean, I told you we'd have you back at some point. I didn't think it was going to be like two weeks later.
1: Sheil, I, you know, I'm an emotional person. Uh, I'm emotional b- to be back. It feels like you know you you press the retire button and then you say that you're back, just like a, literally a a few weeks later. There is nothing that could have been done to pull me further back in. But you know, I'm I'm doing a little browsing on the Nike store, no free ads, obviously, but you know, see what what the what new dry fits the Eagles have out there. Maybe uh, you look forward to next year a little bit.
0: Yeah, for those who don't know, Sean wrote an excellent piece. When was that? Was uh, last? Was it? It was last off season, right, Sean?
1: Yeah, last January. Yeah, I think it was during the playoffs. Last January.
0: Okay, during the playoffs. uh, Called the book of Fangio, which you can read. But of course,
1: we're gonna we're gonna dive
0: further. We're gonna ask him follow ups. We're gonna say, "Oh, settle down. It's not all rosy with this legendary defensive coach." But the man, honestly, I think of every person in my life, I don't think anybody knows Vic Fangio's scheme better. Than Sean, and so we are just doing an episode. This is Vic Fangio only. This is, I'll I'll take you behind the curtain here. We're recording this on a Friday morning, uh, so there could be new. We don't even know who's playing the Super Bowl as we record this. We're gonna put this out on the feed Monday. Just so you have a deep dive on Vic Fangio. Because as soon as this news was announced, everyone's hitting us up. You got to have Sean back. When's Sean coming on? Uh, We got to hear more about this Fangio scheme. So uh, Eagles made it official per Adam Schefter. Vic Fangio flew in, signed his contract to become the new Eagles defensive coordinator. Solak and I talked a little bit about it earlier this week. Now we're doing a deep dive. What does this mean? What, what's real about his scheme that's out there? What's not real with some of the stuff uh, that's out there? What's it going to look like in Philadelphia with this personnel? So this is a deep dive on Vic Fangio. All right, Sean, let's get let's start very zoomed out. Just, you know, uh, you have someone who kind of knows football, but is in Lolly. He doesn't want to know all the different, you know, fronts that are like all the terminology. He's just saying... What is a Vic Fangio defense? Maybe he's in the elevator with you, you know, and he said, just by the time we get to the bottom floor, I need you to explain to me, what do we mean when I hear all these podcasters say that, you know, a Fangio defense, a Fangio scheme. So let's start there. What's the, what's the philosophy? What are the basics when we talk about a Fangio defense?
1: I think when you consider it at a high level, like, well, any offense or defense, well, what is their philosophy? And then the scheme is, of course, you know, how, how are you getting to achieve that really the philosophy is they want to limit explosive plays in the modern offense you know where we consider passing to be more efficient than running the best way to score points and score points consistently is to manufacture explosive plays so the whole entire thing is really functioning around stopping that particular action as a way to stop points and the the kind of gamble is that the offense is likely to either make a mistake or The defense is going to force something negative, whether it's a tackle for loss or something, before an offense is really able to successfully have a you know ten play drive, twelve play drive. There are so many things that can go wrong for an offense that the defense is hopefully able to take advantage. So I wouldn't call it uh, a passive philosophy. I think it's you know it's like a it's a well thought out philosophy where I think when Vic Fangio is kind of putting everything together, sure he involves some analytics, but like it is so in line with analytical thinking uh, that like the, the beautiful marriage of kind of of the stats of it and the scheme of it, to me, like build a really, really core philosophy.
0: Now, if you're getting uh, Johnny Gans flashbacks, if you're uh, listening to this, listen, we're going to get to what some of the differences might be because this is a philosophy we've heard before, you know, sometimes a philosophy I've ripped it for. I'm saying defensive players, come on. They want to get after it. It's not about just preventing. Sometimes you give up an explosive play. It's okay. You know, hit the quarterback on all the old school stuff that, you know, I like out of my defensive football. So we're going to get to why this could be different, maybe, why it wouldn't be different. All right. So the the basic schematics of it, Sean, I remember you talked about this during uh, our preview for Eagles-Dolphins. And the big thing was, uh, from a coverage aspect, it's going to look the same on the back end before pretty much every snap, where you're going to start with those two deep safeties. However, after the snap, you don't know what's coming. It could look a lot different. So it's all about, it's not about, oh, all right, pre-snap, where's the safeties? Are they one or two? They're, that might look the same pretty much every time, but they're going to rotate. They're going to change. You're going to play different coverages after the quarterback gets the ball. Is that the basic premise? And what are some of the other you know basic defining characteristics of what we might say?
1: Yeah, I like to think of it it is a rotational based defense. And so what the safeties are rotating to, that is what matters. Are they rotating to the weak side of the the defense in a way to, you know, bolster themselves against the run? Are they rotating to a specific receiver? Are they rotating back into a deeper coverage to make sure that they have two people over one receiver? That I think is an important thing and Kind of, as you said, the phrase that I like to put together just to make that is like the illusion of simplicity. So it looks really simple at the start of the snap because as you said, it's going to look the same every single time. And you just want to make the quarterback post-snap process for like half a second. That is really what you need. And if you can do that, if you can delay them, if you can get that, you know, one extra pat on the ball, the gamble is that, you know, your pass rush is able to get there. And then, you know, a, a lot of other things are things that Eagles fans are... Now, no and love from, from last year and certainly the year before that, you got your, you know, your base, your odd front, your three, three, four, where it looks like a five-two. There's gonna be a ton of nickel. There are gonna be a ton of light boxes at the at pre-snap that post-snap are not gonna be light boxes. You see those safeties really drop in really regularly regularly. And even when it's not like a like a pre kind of like, hey, we know we're gonna do this. The way that the, the safeties, particularly for Fangio specifically, as opposed to some of their offshoots they get downhill so fast. I think that is something that's like in their pedagogy, in the way that they teach it to their players. I think that is like, even just starting up top, like that's the through line that I want to get through today is that like this specific teacher of the scheme is different than, hey, this is what this scheme is. So I think you're going to see a lot of those coverages where you get cover two to one side and cover four to the other side and those super, super late rotations and what feels like, a disguise but again. You know we're not hi- like we the Eagles didn't hire a scheme. They did really hire a coach in this example.
0: I can't get past pedagogy. I mean, wow, you're really upping the intelligence uh of of the, you know, I used malleable in a uh, in a column the other week. I was pretty proud of that. Went back to my word smart days uh you know, studying for the SATs uh there in high school. So you're just I, I don't have a great vocabulary, sean You know, I I at some point in my career, I you know, someone told me like if you can do simple with your writing, just 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 do simple. But I like that, you know, because now my daughter's getting older; she's using these words that I don't know what they mean. So that's a nice job out of you. All right. So those are some of the basics, and and I do think the point you made is the big one. In Solek and I made this. You are not getting someone who hung out with Vic Fangio for two years. You are getting the guy, and the guy, you know, hopefully will be able to adapt. And evolve and not just stick with one thing and look at what the opponent's doing uh, and change based on that. So I think that is important, certainly, to point out. All right, let's get to some of the other stuff here, Sean, because Sean Desai, when he was brought in, the whole thought was, well, this guy coached under Vic Fangio. He's bringing the Vic Fangio Scheme with him, even you know, like some of the Jonathan Gannon stuff. Like, the, your your initial explanation was basically the explanation for Jonathan Gannon: just prevent explosive plays, you know, make them work. And the next thing you know, uh, Derek Carr's completing 22 of 24 passes against the Eagles, and every quarterback is setting completion percentage records against the Eagles. So I know Eagles fans listening to this are going, "No, no, 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 we don't want them anymore." So let's talk a little bit uh, about the fronts. Let's let, let's start there. W- with the fronts and maybe you know what what we can expect you mentioned it a second ago uh odd fronts three four might look like a five two but there are different fronts right that Vic Fangio uh uses and how might some of those be different than what we saw under Sean Desai or even Jonathan Gannon
1: yeah I think that the when I watch like Eagles film last year and then when I watched Dolphins film this year or look back to to the glory days you know some of that Bears film from 2017 2018 like the fronts are in effect like they are the same when you look at them like that is a three four but it's the smallest things whether it's you know the nose or like the guy player over the center is shaded over to half the center and then the way that they're like their aiming point feels a little bit different so you're gonna see players on the defensive line be in these kind of frog stances and really like like shoot out while it feels like they're sitting back so it's it's a little bit less about well this is going to look so different it's the really really like minute aspects of it that end up having a really big downstream effect where you know if you hit an offensive lineman a certain way that manipulates the double team so for me it's a little bit less about oh the the call sheet is going to look so much more colorful to me that's actually not that important but it's within those calls are you you know attacking double teams in specific ways that really make it easier on your defensive lineman where you know, we'll we will talk about it a little bit more, but it's not just like a passive uh act for the defensive lineman. They're not just holding, you know, those players up. You'll see Dolphins players be able to kind of knife through and get through there. So for me, I think it's it's gonna look similar in so many ways, but like when they're in their their nickel front, you know, their weak side defensive tackle may just be shaded a little bit tighter sometimes. And that is a way to, you know, now you force the guard to have a longer way to go when he's doing his double team. That keeps the linebacker. Uh, open a little bit more because I think that the hard part of this and of course we saw it for the Eagles towards the end of this season is if you don't have the the like really really proper mechanics of how to fit the run from a light box you're gonna have so many problems and the way that Fangio has been able to do I think a relatively good job at least from a schematic perspective it's those super super small minute changes of literally you know is this defensive tackle gonna line up on the left side of the guard or the right side of the guard and it makes a huge difference when you consider you know, that changes the whole entire offensive lines kind of blocking scheme in so many different ways.
0: Let, let's let talk about that a little more because when I was, you know, coming up and learning, all right, one gap, two gap for those who don't know, one gap is just, hey, you're lining up in between two offensive linemen and that gap you're in between them is your gap and you've got to control it. And then there's two gap. If you remember the uh, Billy Davis defenses under Chip Kelly with Jerry Asanara, who, you know, I wouldn't say he loved to be interviewed, in my experience, covering uh, the Eagles uh, in in those days, but uh, they were running more of a two-gap, three-four, which meant you have your nose tackle head up on the center, and he's got to control a gap on either side of the center. You might have uh, your defensive ends head up on the offensive tackles, and they've got to control the gaps on either side of the offensive tackle. So some would describe it, it's more of an old-school Pittsburgh Steelers, Dick LeBeau mentality, a more... Read and react. It's not just, hey, shoot that gap and go make a play. It's control both sides of this player and make sure uh, you're disciplined in doing so. In my experience, defensive linemen did not particularly love playing that way. They wanted to go make plays. They didn't want to play that way. So what you were just describing, Sean, and I've heard this term gap and a half a lot. When hearing about the Fangio scheme. Like, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about some two gapping? Are we talking about some one gapping? Is it a gap and a half? Based on what I said, what do we kind of expect from a fan for from Fangio?
1: Yeah. So like you were saying about pedagogy, I think it is important, you know, you, you use the simple words when you when you absolutely can. So I I don't love gap and a half because I not that I think it's misleading. I think that I know a lot of people use it. I know a lot of coaches will say it and stuff like that. I think what you said there, like, attack react versus react attack to me I think is a little bit more important that's you know a a differentiation that Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter will love from Georgia but like attack react so the first thing we are doing is we are attacking we are just getting upfield and going and then we're kind of falling in line after that that's when you think of you know we're getting upfield right away you see the 49ers will do that to me it's just more of like a react attack style so we're a little bit more like on our on our kind of heels and our stance as defensive linemen And then you are reacting a little bit, you know, if the guard fans out, then that changes like kind of how you're going to do it a little bit. If the guard attacks you, you're reacting a little bit. And then after that, you're falling more in line. So I think when people say gap and a half, what they're really saying is, you know, you're responsible for this gap. And then after the ball goes somewhere else, you're kind of falling in line. So it feels like, you know, there's this overlap kind of between people. I will say, I think it's important that you said, you know if I was a defensive lineman shield, if me and you were were up there, you know, with our big helmets looking like bobbleheads there, maybe not the favorite thing for us to do. But when I, when I go back to the Dolphins, it's just, again, it's not as passive as I think that, that we would describe it. You're not just a, like, uh like a, like a, like a tackling dummy, kind of taking those blockers and hoping that your linebackers get through. But even more important than that, again, this is something that Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, like did a ton of at Georgia and they'd, jalen carter or sorry specifically jordan davis i think did it a ton this year and a little bit last year as well where he is comfortable doing that so it feels like you know uh like i i think fletcher cox really likes to be it seems like he likes to be with one hand in the dirt and get upfield maybe for that player you know it's a little bit different at that point but those younger guys that are coming in i think that this is somebody they're comfortable with it's like it's just more kind of passed along to the nfl and i'm sure fletcher cox would be able to uh adapt to it and hopefully you know everyone kind of comes together there but the Dolphins had successful defensive tackles like Christian Wilkins is really high amongst pressures Bradley Chubb obviously a defensive end not an interior guy is is there and high in tackles for loss and I always like to think you know winning is the best deodorant uh we had our deodorant conversation I think earlier this year Uh, (laughs) and I think that hopefully with that you know people are everyone's everyone's comfortable I think when the team's winning
0: this feels like a lot to think about. Is that just because you know this scheme so well and you're describing it in great detail? Or for a player who's playing in the Fangio scheme, do you think it's fair to say there's a little more going on in your head when you're lining up before the snap about what you're supposed to do than other defenses?
1: So th- that that's a really good question. I think that there is at least a little bit in that it's not just saying, hey, you need to, you go get upfield, like play with your hair on fire. Uh, which feels like an unsafe thing to be doing. But I do think that you still have to think a ton in those situations. Like you're you're not just running like eyes closed when you're getting straight up the field. You're still feeling, you know, okay, well, did the guard block down? What are the like six run concepts that are going to come off that? You know, is this running back on this certain path? So would I say it's more, you know, probably yes, I think. Uh, but to me, these are players that are used to that and have had, you know, at least a year of of doing a lot of it, and you know, I think that in the end, you know, shield thinking isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world. I do think that you can obviously get <laughs> overflowed, but that's when it goes back to, well, how is it being taught? Because it's it's less about uh, like we did the you know keep it keep it simple versus you know keep it likable and right. learnable. I think if it is if it is learnable, and my, my I do have faith that it, that it would be. Not that it wasn't last year, but I think that just like fine points are going to be able to be hammered down a little bit differently and hopefully lead to more positive results.
0: It feels like that D line coach, whatever they do there, is probably, you know, that that's going to be uh, an important hire based on what you're saying with the technique and uh, how you're deciding how you want to attack the offensive line uh, in different ways. But that was a good point you made. I mean, like you said, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis were asked to do. Some of this, a lot of this in Georgia, would you say some of the techniques there, you know, and even uh, with the Eagles, this is not, uh, is it, it's fair to say this is not going to be something totally brand new to them that they're learning on the fly, right?
1: Yeah, that, that is certainly what I think. And that's, I think, what the tape shows. And the Dolphins last year went from like Brian Flores to Vic Fangio. So that is the largest difference that you could literally <laughs> ever make in terms of every single aspect of it. So I think that Fangio just went through a year of really almost like rewiring these players in a lot of different ways while also dealing with so many injuries that I think (laughs) broke our little hearts throughout the Eagles season. So having that experience and going to players where, you know, maybe it's, hey, this is a similar technique. We just, we're just going to use a different word to describe it. So I I feel, I feel optimistic about that, Shiel.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, listen, that defense, we said it earlier this week. They were playing really well the second half of the season. Like There was a point week 17 or week 18, I was like, this looks like a top five defense to me. And then they just got crushed and crushed uh, by injury. So first half of the season, it took some time. Second half of the season, they were looking good. This transition will be interesting because some of this stuff, I mean, we were on an early pod where you were literally you know, telling us the calls, I, I think it was that Vikings game where you were giving us the calls and they were, they're literally from like the Fangio playbook. So if this isn't, uh, this isn't just going from one thing that's totally different to something new. It's kind of like, well, they were trying to do some of this. It didn't work. And now they're going to try to do it a lot better here this year. All right. Uh, some other things here, the, the coverages, Sean, and I know this is very, very co- We could probably do three hours, uh, On this, but just from a standpoint of how they did it under Sean Desai to what Fangio likes to do, uh, what can you tell us about what to expect uh, in in that respect?
1: Yeah, I do think that the coverages are going to be like in name, they're going to be very similar, but across the league, defenses are running like a set list of coverages and they look so, so different for a few reasons. I think certainly at the player level, if you have a just like star at linebacker, you know, you can cover so much ground there by having them have the same exact assignment but like when you watch i keep the reason why i feel comfortable i think saying some of these things is because we watch the eagles film and we watch the dolphins film and it looks like the same like in theory the same exact call but how it expresses is so so different so you're gonna see tons of cover three like there's going to be a lot of safety rotating into cover three but we watched against the cowboys for example which is a team that of course the eagles are going to play we're happy that that good old Uncle Vic got to prepare for the Cowboys at least once. He'll prepare for him twice with the Eagles. Just the way that space closes is a lot different. So I think that the Dolphins are were more comfortable passing off routes from one player to the other, which is great and something that I think we would have loved to see more of from the Eagles. It's hard. It's hard, I think, to teach. It's hard to have it have all of your players understand it, have it really understood live at that speed, and then like where the smallest window of opening is going to really allow a completion. But, you know, you think of CeeDee Lamb running across across the field, he's probably going to beat whoever your nickel is, no matter what. But if the safety is in the position where it just gets passed off right to them, now that nickel person takes over that responsibility. To me, it's like how those routes get matched within the same exact calls, I think is going to look a lot different in in coverage because that's what the film shows from the Eagles film to the Dolphins film.
0: Yeah, I mean, so much of it, based on what you're saying so far, and we'll get to other stuff, is just like, How is it being taught? How do the players absorb what is being taught? Are the players good enough? Like, you know, flat out personnel. We all know personnel matters. Like Vic Fangio has had defenses that have been mediocre before. I mean, this last year, what? The Dolphins were middle of the pack uh, defense. Now, that was a lot injury-based, but even... In the past it's not like you hire Vic Fangio and you have a top 5 defense like it matters you know who you have uh playing we know that in the NFL that's like number one takeaway from the NFL yes coaching matters but guess what a lot of I mean how many times this year were we just like one it was a 1 on 1 and this person won whether it was the Eagles defensive line not winning whether it was AJ Brown yes what like those things come up over and over again in the NFL all right let's take a quick break we'll come back lots more to get to Vic Fangio deep dive Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I'm leaning Chiefs. Plus one and a half right now. I'm just tired of losing on my homes as an underdog, but you can do whatever you want. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown. How many points will be scored and so much more. If you're new to FanDuel join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. When you win your first $5 bet, just visit FanDuel.com slash to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states? Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at Sportsbook.FanDuel.com. All right, we're back on the Ringer's Philly special. Now, Solak gave a little anecdote Uh, last week, you know, give the Stroudsburg Connect, or this week, the Strouds... I guess it's last week by the time you listen to this. The Stroudsburg Connection and why he was calling Vic Fangio Uncle Vic. Now, Sean, for us, you know, uh, listener Megan uh, tweeted us, well, she says, shouldn't it be like Vic Uncle, you know? For you, she. Asked, well, yeah, that's true. Like that is what we do. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think? Should, I, should should when I talk to you, we go Vic Uncle, and then when I talk to Solak, we go Uncle Vic. Should we take the Uncle Vic and flip it? Because I know people love. Listen, I know from listeners over the years, they love. Uh, you know, like, like I say, oh, there's delivery Uncle. Oh, there's TV Uncle. Oh, you know, there's so and so on. To, like, this is this is how we do it uh, in our culture. So, w- what do you think? Do we stick with Vinco- Vic Uncle? Do we do an Uncle Vic just because that was the uh, original? Do we switch it up? What's your take there,
1: uh, Shil? I think we go with um, with Vic Uncle. You know, coming into this, yeah. I did think about this because I figured you may uh, have it on your <laughs> mind. And and like, you know, <laughs> it's it's got to be Uncle Vic. But I, you know, I like it. I think that you know, he, he's someone who is, is more flexible than I think you'd think. And, you know, some of the uncles in our lives, hopefully are a little bit more, you know, flexible on their, on their thoughts than, than you yeah, might think. I don't think know about on, that. Yeah. <laughs> <than> <laughs> first, that's a, so Vic, Vic uncle, Fangio uncle, I think, I think all those things uh, are good, but obviously the hope is that, you know, that connotation stays positive as we get into to week eight, week nine, week 10, that's going to, that's going to be the real test.
0: Vic uncle. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Vic's come across some Indians. In his time, yeah, we'll we'll, 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 we'll go Vic Uncle. We'll see if that sticks. All right. You had a little piece here, uh, Sean, in our shared doc about what has changed over time. And I know one of the things uh, you kind of touch on here is pressures. And if you're looking at some stuff with Vic Pingio, typically has not been a big blitz guy. You know, 22nd in blitz rate last year with the Dolphins at Uh, 21.4%, almost identical. To what the Eagles did. Now it's important in, in today's NFL it is like very important to define what you're talking about with blitz percentages because we're talking about when I say that, when you rush five or more. But what has become more and more in vogue is you rush four, you drop seven, but you're fooling that offense about which four are rushing the passer. We talked about it earlier this season, the idea of creepers where you have a second level or third level defender rushing the quarterback. You have a defensive lineman dropping into coverage. You're still rushing four and dropping seven, but you're not telling them which four you're rushing. Uh, And that's, you know, as you explained to us, that's when you're not showing blitz before the snap. Then we have sim pressures where you are showing blitz before the snap. You might go up there and you might mug the eight gaps with your linebackers. But then you're still rushing for, again, the offense, the offensive line, the protection doesn't know which four. You're dropping seven. And so the math is still working in your favor. You obviously have to have some versatile players, um, and and it depends which four you're rushing. So talk to me about what has kind of changed over time with Vic Fangio's defenses and maybe touch on that kind of, uh, you know, how he got to different uh, pressure schemes in terms of getting after the quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think that in the overall, if we say, you know, the Fangio system, I think that pressure it's not that it was, it was lacking particularly but it's not like hey we're gonna be sending seven all the time right it, it looks different than brian flores's defense where every defense looks different but i don't think like at his core fangio wants to pressure i think he wants to play with rushing four in seven in coverage so to me you know those creepers you can call them replacement pressures for why we use different words for different reasons as, as exactly as you said they're rushing four but that fourth rusher isn't someone on the defensive line. So unfortunately, we're going to see some defensive ends dropping into pass coverage, but I will say that there is like a little bit of a different mechanic. Another way that or it's a little bit more specific, but they'll call them like bonus fire zone. So when we think of fire zone, we think of 3 deep 3 under, and then that bonus is a player dropping. They'll often game plan it to a really specific spot. So we have 4 under 3 deep where it feels like hey, they just have seven in coverage, but it's a little bit more specific than I think hey, we're just dropping to in open zone so I do think this year Fangio did lean a little bit more into those creepers where you're sending that nickel fairly often and really you know Fangio's been doing this since like uh, like the early 2010s and he did it at Stanford in a lot of ways you know him and Rex Ryan are like the, the godfathers of the the creepers so it's not something that is is new for him I just think that he has such a good understanding of really when to bring them out so we're gonna have times this year where the offense is in empty and then they, the whip is the is the like blitz path. so it's the will the weak side linebacker uh to that weak side B gap and then like the defensive tackle is going to kind of able to you know take care of the a player there the linebacker just plugs in and it's just a free runner just because it's an understanding of the offensive lines rules so if you know the offensive lines rules really really well which there's only a certain number of offensive pass uh pass protections that there can be uh then you you could really really Attack it in a lot of ways, so I feel comfortable with that um and sorry, whip is whip is will to the b gap. I'm not sure if I said that correctly, Sheel. It is important to yeah. me that I, that I get those <laughs> things right, where you got a player cross and face, you got that linebacker going straight through that that b gap, and as a free runner, when you're only rushing four, so it feels really nice to be able to manufacture pressure in that specific way
0: It's so funny having this conversation as a reminder that like of how nothing is brand new. Nothing is done like totally different than everyone else. And so much of it is just about, like you mentioned, like the, the, the coach, when to call it, how you teach it, do the players absorb it. I mean, you're talking fire zones again, Billy did like Billy Davis came up under Dick LeBeau, the father of like the, the fire zone, right. Where you're, um, you know, like Sean said, it's, it's rushing five, dropping six into coverage, three under three deep. And it's like, if you're an Eagles fan, you're like, man, you're bringing up a lot of Billy Davis. You're bringing up Johnny Gans. You're bringing up some of what we saw last year. This doesn't sound great to me, but uh, it's important to remember that, yes, the person making the calls, when to call it, how to teach it, that that's really what this is going to come down to. It's not going to be brand new ideas, maybe a little bit, but not totally brand new ideas that you've never seen before on Eagles film. All right. Let's talk about what we saw a little bit in Miami this year, Uh, Sean, the latest iteration of the Vic Fangio defense. So they finished 19th in defensive DVOA, 22nd against the pass, 16th against the run. Again, I would tell you that they were playing really well. They were really getting it together in the second half of the season. They got Jalen Ramsey back uh, and then they, I mean, just decimated by injuries. I think one of the most injured defenses probably in the NFL. I think, What I said earlier, I think this is going to guarantee you competence having Vic Fangio. I don't think you're going to have people looking totally confused about what the heck is going on on the field like we did uh, throughout the season, specifically in the last month of the season here. But it doesn't guarantee you a great defense. I do think it guarantees you uh, competence. I mentioned the blitz frequency. They're below average in terms of coverage. Uh, I had them, according to True Media and Pro Football Focus, 14th in man coverage frequency. 17th in zone. So they're kind of middle of the pack um, in both. I think a lot of people probably look at Fangio and think, all right, it's going to be much more uh, zone heavy. And you can tell us you know, whether you think maybe some of those numbers are fudged because when they play zone, uh, it turns they're very good at matching and it turns into man and maybe the charting services get that wrong. That's possible. Uh, but their most popular coverage is, you mentioned it, and I think this is very important. The coverage they played the most on passing downs last year per these charting services was cover three a single high safety scheme. So you start out, and I remember you mentioned this when when they played the Dolphins, you start out with the two high safeties, but that doesn't mean you're just playing, you know, split safety on a a majority of the snaps. They did not do that last year. So their most popular coverages were cover three uh, and then cover six, which is split safety, safety zone. You're playing quarters to one side, cover two to the other side. Cover one was their third most frequent uh, coverage. That's man coverage with the single high safety. Um, and then straight quarters, cover four. They played all of those at 10% or more this year, again, according to those charting services. So uh, almost no cover two, Sean. Almost no two man with this Dolphins defense. So again, it was th- those four coverages that I mentioned there. So what do you make of that? Kind of the coverage profile we saw last year, how the Dolphins played, how much of that is accurate to what we're we're going to see and might see with this Eagles team?
1: I think at a high level, <clears throat> it gives you a decent picture. <clears throat> oh, Shield, I'm uh, I'm struggling early early in the morning. I think I'm have to what? ask Cliff to do Listen, a little bit of work okay. here.
0: I know. Well, listen, Cliff had to, you know, uh, I I forced Cliff to do uh, an early pod here because I'm doing a little lunch. Naya's got a half day today. And I, I don't know. I didn't even get to ask if Cliff was able to get the lift in this morning or not. So I felt bad about that. I'm hoping either he got it in or he's got a little afternoon there. So this is this is on me. I made you get up early. I'm, you know, maybe shorten Cliff's uh, workout here. Let's see. Cliff's dropping something uh, in the chat. Uh, Cliff says, yeah, look, he already got the lift in." he says pizza later. I mean, I'm telling you, Sean, this like Cliff was like, might, might be the most, have his life together, like a nice organized, healthy way in terms of just health, work, social, like his balance. I mean, we might have to do a whole show on it. At some point in the off season, all right, there you go. I bought enough time to let you get a little, <laughs> little, little drink. There, we don't need to edit that out. Listen, a little cough. People cough. It's okay. You have conversations with people. Their throat gets a little. That happens to me all the time. We don't. This, this is real life here on the Ringers Philly Special. All right, chill.
1: On. It's just always good to be, you know, paired with a consummate professional, a professional that that. I mean, that was that didn't even feel like stalling. I was, I almost stopped to <laughs> forgot drinking water just because I was so, so into that. So we're talking about coverage profiles. I do think at a high level, it. It gives you a good idea of what they're doing, but if you look at cover three for a lot of teams in the league, and then you look at cover three for Vic Fangio's Dolphins, it is so so different. And part of that is mm. it's not just hey, you need to drop to this area. So like you're kind of traditional, what some people call a country coverage, but I would just call it like spot dropping. You are dropping to a spot. Now this it's just so much more of like a hey, if we're in a like a two by two set on the offense, so you think two receivers on one side maybe a tight end is attached to the other side and the safety is not going to ignore but really like a lot of the route concepts the cornerback is going to end up locked up on that outside receiver to the tight end side and if the tight end blocks since the safety would be responsible for that player vertical say we're playing cover four if that tight end just blocks now go work to the other side like go close off certain problematic routes that we know that can beat our coverage so that like when we were talking about the defensive line, whether it's you know if you call a gap and a half or you do your responsibility and then you overlap, I think that there's just so much more overlap in these coverages that we don't see across the league and She sure you always ask the smart question, well you know this idea sounds so great, why doesn't every team do it? I think it's really hard to teach. I think it's hard to get players to buy into it. I think now it's a little bit easier because players are doing this at you know at the college level, certainly a lot more uh, and in different ways so that is something I really really love about the coverages it not that it doesn't matter but like what specific coverage is called based on like or how it's charted like that I feel like is sometimes less important than you can feel and see well why do they match this specific concept in this specific way are they doing it to release stress on a specific player that's usually what it is and that's extremely important because you know defense it's not about what you want to do it's so much about what you have to do because the offense can just find your one weak point and exploit that over and over and they're comfortable doing that so within your coverages do you have like a really it's it's like a hive mind you know it's an organic system shield like it it adapts and like adapts and like lives within itself i think that i like get so so excited thinking about it because when i'm watching film it's like you need to rewind it so many times because it's like well Certain things are happening only because the offense's route concept. And to me, that is really important. It is so able to adjust based on the concepts that are being presented to you. It's not just, hey, it's going to look the same every time. Because I think, I feel pretty comfortable saying, if you're going to run one coverage over and over again, it's going to get beat. But here in this system, you know, it is able to change based on the different routes that offenses use.
0: So this is your favorite defensive scheme. I mean, is that is that fair to say that if you were, you know, Coaching at some level, you know, uh, a couple months from now, and they say, "Hey, Sean, what do you, like what do you you know what do you like? What do you uh, want to run? You think this scheme? And again, it's not not all of them are the same. We know unless you have like it might not look good. Other people have tried, and their defenses have sucked. But you think philosophically, schematically, for what we see in the NFL right now, this is the best defensive scheme to run, or or is that inaccurate?"
1: Uh, so I will say that if I was running it, I probably wouldn't because I know that I am not Vic Fangio. It's too I think complicated. That, yeah, yeah. If it, even like the, it's just like the super fine points because, Sheila, there's going to be a lot of times this year where things are going to work and I'm just going to be like, well, Sheila, I don't really know why that why that worked because sometimes yeah. it doesn't, like it's not always apparent. And I will say that if there was, I think another person off of the Fangio tree, like, Shiel, I, you know, I would, I would do whatever podcast you ever asked, but I would certainly be a lot less excited so to me it is really really based on that person i do think like philosophically i think almost all the defenses are the same like all the defenses want to stop explosive yeah. plays that that to me is you know that's your philosophy because that's how you stop teams from scoring That that's not something that changes now i will say there's a lot of different things like if i could maybe like take over one like one person's brain then i would probably choose Fangio. and part of that is because you know there is just <laughs> such a long long line of experience he's coached for so many years he's seen so many different things his offense doesn't look the same as it looked for like the new orleans saints dome patrol she i keep wikipedia and like Fangio's background and that that always (laughs) comes up like so now I, i feel like i have to learn about that but to me it's like well is a defense quote modern like does it have modern solutions for modern problems and it does where i think a lot of people would rightfully say at this point in time mike mcdonald whatever their scheme is like that's the the kind of greatest thing. And to me, when I watch it, you know, she always do a little pre-prep in case we were gonna have to do it well, who are the like 15 defensive coordinators we we're gonna have to make up names that uh like had a cup of coffee with Mike McDonald. It's less about he calls X coverage more than than Y coverage. It, you know, it's not that the, the coverage calls are relatively simple, but it is how those are executed. That is so so much the difference because you'll see you know for the Ravens they'll call a call on play one They'll get beat on play two. The defensive, like the linebacker is dropping to a different spot. So it's really, you know, the mm. execution and of that. So for me, you know, if I'm running a scheme, I mean, you know, there's going to be two high safeties. You're going to be, you're going to go on the podcast. You're going to talk about, oh, this guy's too <laughs> passive, all this. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to let his players get up field. But I think it, it is really adapted to your players. Like if you have, you know, for, four killer defensive linemen, let those guys uh, get upfield but you know we we can maybe we can consult in the offseason for our imaginary team maybe we play Madden maybe we play the new NCAA game We'll we could talk about it
0: yeah your point about cover three was such a a good one you know if you were to google cover three right now in the diagrams you would say you would say all right it's a three deep zone with four underneath defenders and you you would see that uh on the diagrams where you know if, if you're running this at a basic level the def- underneath defenders are getting to certain landmarks and they got their eyes on the quarterback. And then, you know, you're trying. But like, this is this is different. To your point, you're trying to match. You're, tr- you're trying to hug up uh, on those receivers. You're trying to anticipate route concepts. You're trying to anticipate how the offense is trying to attack you. So again, like you mentioned, same call. Cover three one way. Cover three two way. It's going to look a lot different. I mean, you could have a spot where... Man, they're just playing basic cover three, and these receivers are right, be, you know, are finding these voids in the zone and they're catching all these passes. What's going on? This sucks. And you could have cover three, and it's like, wow, the quarterback has nothing to go. Those defenders looked like they knew exactly what was coming. They had a beat on the route concept, and that. So uh, I do think that's important to point out. It's also, again, we keep mentioning this. It, it, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, everything you're mentioning, like it's going to take uh, a little bit of time. Again, it's not the most drastic change. In scheme, in some ways it's very similar, uh, but um, the way Fangio teaches it, the way his staff is going to teach it certainly is going to be different. All right. Next thing I wanted to talk about here, Sean, I I was very interested in this because I I feel like our listeners are going to be very interested in this. Personnel, personnel, personnel. Okay. So what now when Howie Roseman is preparing for free agency, trades, the draft, what type of players do you want? for this scheme. So I say we just go one by one here. Okay. Defensive line. This is not edge defenders. We'll get to that next. This is sort of interior defensive linemen. Uh, Sean was explaining it earlier, how they're asked to play. Are there specific body types, traits, like, like, what do you need? Uh, and again, you're not going to get every perfect, like, again, as I say before, this is what the money's for, Vic. You know, I'm sure he's probably the highest paid. I don't know this. This is a guess. I'm guessing if you're his agent, he has a strong claim to be the highest paid defensive coordinator uh, in the NFL. And so sometimes you're going to have to do more with less. But ideally, if he sits down with Howie Roseman tomorrow and they say, hey, what do we need from our defensive linemen? what do you think Vic Fangio says?
1: You know, from those defensive linemen, you do really need players that are able to hold up blocks a little bit. That's not their, the end all be all, but you know, are you athletic enough to be in a specific stance again? Like I, I think it's, it's easy to think about. It. They literally look like frogs. Like that, that, that is how they look and the way that they <laughs> kind of explode on that interior line. Are you able to, you know, are you strong enough to hold that blocker up with kind of like one side and peek the other way? And Shield, when I think of two people that I would love to have in this system, it's Jordan Davis, it's Jalen Carter. So I hope that those guys are are really, really excited to be in this system. Obviously, we you know we think about however things happen at the end of the season there, but you know you're going to have those three interior guys when you're in your base. You're they're going to just be two those uh, interior two when you're in your nickel personnel. I think Davis and Carter are going to be able to like they should be excited by this because it's where they were able to have success in different ways last year. I think that's just going to get. Pushed up, So I think on the, on those two spots, obviously you need, you definitely need depth in those, in those ways. I think that that is a spot where, you know, as an Eagles fan, I think you should feel relatively comfortable there.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think Davis is like the big one to me. Cause I, I don't think Davis probably play, is, is great in every scheme. I think it probably depends. And he's been up and down through the first two seasons of his career, theoretically on paper this move should benefit him. Like, I'm not saying it's going to unlock him to get eight sacks or anything, but just from a, hey, what does this guy do well? And are you putting him in positions to do those things well? this scheme should help him. Jalen Carter, I just feel like, could, you know, I think you could probably play him in any one of the 32 schemes and he's going to be awesome if he's playing his best. He, we, we all know he faded uh, down the stretch last season. It was his rookie season to be expected, but man, the flashes of upside were unbelievable in the first half of the season. So uh, with Jalen Carter, so I do wonder about someone like a Milton William, you know, like a, he might seem right. Would he seem like a little bit of a not to say uh, I would never say, "Oh, it can't work with this guy," but you know what I mean. Like he probably would not be the guy who would draw up and say he's going to be great in this scheme. Or do you think that's unfair?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he wasn't. A, I don't think he was a first round pick, right? <laughs> so I think that that, yeah, that yeah. is a that is a big difference. I do think though that you know, Fangio, I think at his, his his core is like is a linebackers guy. Uh, I think that's where you know he started his coaching career. So he's able to get, I think, more out of linebackers. I do think you know part of it is going to matter who is the defensive line coach and that there. I think that. Again, I'm like a a believer in this in this decision because of the way that players that are like uh, of maybe you see them as a lesser quality that they're able to fill in really specific roles. So I think that that is something that the the system does well. It's like, hey, you know, you're not going to have to do 17 different things, like uh, or 17 different roles, maybe 17 different things within your one role, so you can get really good at that. So I think you know you will still be able to see players like a Milton Williams be able to succeed there in different ways. And there were there were times this year where. where Milton Williams was flashing on tape, so I think he he's showed enough that uh, I feel like, hey, you clearly have like the skills to be able to succeed in different ways. Uh, it gets taught to you a certain way, and then you know there's there there's positive there for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I I like Milton Williams. I thought Milton Williams had a good year. I was just wondering from like a you know schematic perspective, but you know a lot of times you're playing four down, third down, you're you know you're you're rushing the passer, right? So it's like, all right, there we always have to remind ourselves of that. All right, edge defenders in this scheme. So we, you know, we've had a Hassan Redick. We've had a Josh Sweat here yelling at the, the sideline. What's going on? Why are you dropping me into coverage? It's a two-minute drill. Uh, I get paid to rush the passer. I got a contract coming up. Josh Sweat running to the flat, looking very uncomfortable. All right, these edge, these de- <laughs> Brandon Graham said he wants to come back for another year in locker room cleanout. Sean, what do we think? What do you need from the edge defenders in this game?
1: I think you do have to be able to set mm-hmm. that edge in the run game, particularly you know when, when you're in that base three four look. Uh, I think that he Fanjo might prefer like just bigger bodies. So you think of Bradley Chubb, you think of like Cleo Mack at his kind of prime at a high level. But I think part of that is just Jaylen because he, Phillips, who yeah yeah, well yeah. that Jaylen Phillips is like is a real freak athlete. So that that's yeah, actually a good sounds. example because to me that feels like okay, he's Fanjo's not saying well we just have to have like one specific player player one specific body type to be able to play this if you were an edge rusher in this like you were going to have a lot of pass rush snaps a lot of those are going to be from that that four-man rush and it's it's gonna you know it's gonna be leaning on you in a lot of ways so where we talk about and every offense has the philosophy stop the run on early downs get them into third and long rush the passer that doesn't change here that's gonna you know that's gonna carry over so if the edge play is the same exact way as it was this year chill that you know gives me some worries but then we you know we talk about the creepers and the other stuff that he has to kind of fix that but as an edge rusher like if you can get after the passer this is a scheme that i think you like now we're gonna see them drop into pass coverage every once in a while i will say that it's not like a hey like drop into like the the outer space and just look around kind of like a (laughs) a lost soul i i do think that it's there the is the best
0: description like, i've heard of what we saw on film for the last You <laughs> didn't yeah, mean th- it to be mean but it was wonderfully uh, wonderfully described i would say all right
2: go ahead
1: and hey, i think ready he acquitted himself well i think in in those those specific instances they, they will be asked to drop i think that the it's like more purposeful might not be the word but it's more directed i think where it's hey like you're dropping like kind of like more to this receiver in a way so it's not just you know you're kind of like looking both ways there. So a lot, a lot of these things are edge, specifically edge and defensive line. And a lot of, you know, it's, it's the same as what was asked for kind of last year. And I do like that, you know, how Roseman has had to kind of build this roster for, for two years to, around a lot of these kind of similar body types.
0: I didn't put this guy specifically in the dock, but now that we're talking about it, I was Nolan, a guy like Nolan Smith. All right. So undersized athletic. Does he, you know, I, I do feel like he might be one of those guys who it depends on the scheme how he performs, uh, you know, what kind of role he's in. Do you have any just off the, you know, off the top of your head thoughts on, oh, yeah, I know this. Uh, I think he'll be great in this or I'm not sure or not going to fit. Just uh, instant instant reaction to a guy maybe like, uh, I know you like to prepare, so I feel bad, you know, I'm just catching you uh, off off guard with this. But uh, any thoughts on a guy like like Nolan Smith? I guess it would be, you know, pretty similar to kind of how you use Sasan Reddick.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you know, I love to prepare, Shiel. I, I think, I mean, he is... He is an athletic freak like Nolan Smith absolutely is and I think that Fangio likes people <laughs> that are athletic freaks the same way that that kind of everyone would I think you know maybe you see him a little bit more in that that four eye spot in in base a little bit where you saw him in that like uh interior spot a little bit more at Georgia now obviously the body types that they faced on the offensive line at at Georgia were different than the NFL <laughs> like it is it is a noticeable kind of difference I think that we're we're going to have to see more pass rush snaps from him overall. So I think we'll be able to see fairly quickly, you know, is this a player that's gonna really be able to have an effect on the edge in a lot of ways? And Fangio, I think maybe you know what to like he, I don't think he loves necessarily uh like like younger players all the time. I think maybe he had it seems like you know, players come out and say, you know, he has a little bit of a shorter leash with them in a few ways. But I think, you know, if, if Nolan Smith is exposing ex- like exploding off that edge, Fangio's gonna fall <laughs> in love with him in absolutely a second. So I'm I'm that's a player that I think I'm really excited to see. And I think part of that is, you know, what's what's the development? What's you know, what do OTAs look like? How do we see it kinda in the preseason and, and where he's at overall?
0: All right. Big one that I know everybody has questions about. Line you just mentioned Banjo's got a linebackers background. We're talking off ball linebackers. We're not talking about edge defenders. I mean the guys you wrote in this in this doc. I mean Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Roquan Smith. I mean, these are like elite off-ball linebackers. We know the Eagles currently may not have anybody who would be mentioned in the same breath as those guys. If you have average linebackers, if you have below average linebackers, is it going to be a disaster in this scheme? Can you get by? Is it linebacker friendly? Do the linebackers need to be the stars? Let's, let's you know, uh, flush this out about what's real and what's not because this is going to be a question that's posed to Howie Roseman. I can already tell all offseason long. He got a little defensive in the end of season press conference and Kobe Dean, you know, Zach Cunningham, the tape was great, uh, type thing there. So tell us about the linebackers in this scheme.
1: Yeah, this one was a, a big one because like the function of having, okay, we're gonna, you know, put a ceiling over the offense. A lot of that is, you know, if you have your coverage players further back, that pushes the ball down closer to the line of scrimmage. And naturally, and offenses do a great job of doing this, like. When the defense is in nickel, you got a linebacker away from the nickel, we're going to get a running back out of the backfield and just totally take that one on one matchup all the time. So I think that there are times when specifically against three receivers to a side where you have one receiver and a running back the other way, then, you know, Fangio locks up that linebacker on that running back. So I I have I have concerns. I will say I think that Fangio got more out of Jerome Baker this year, probably than most people would have and part of that was saying you know we're gonna go ahead and send him through the line like I don't think he's too proud uh in those situations where he's gonna actually you know he's gonna let a player that is good at a specific thing do that thing well I hope and I think that you know with N'Kobe Dean's athleticism I think that Fangio will have a good time there and even you know David Long he's junior with the Dolphins he's you know of course a, a film hipster's a dream we all we all loved him but <laughs> I mean he's a six-round pick so I think that partially with that linebacker background, yeah, she'll be all, I mean, when we talk about the positions, I'd love to have an all pro at every single spot. I'm sure Vic Fangio would as well. I do feel like he's able to get, you know, a good bit of like, not extra talent, but extra performance out of players wherever they kind of fall on talent. Now, do you need excellent linebackers to run the scheme? I don't, I don't necessarily think that. I, I think that, you know, if you're hiding a position, you know, cornerback may actually be a position that you can hide in, a few different ways, more than linebacker. So this is going to be, a, I mean, the, the, the best conversation, I think, all offseason. What happens at linebacker? Who comes in there? But I think whatever that room is, I do think it's elevated based on Fangio's love of linebackers, but then also his track record with linebackers, really specifically last year as well.
0: I will say this to defend uh, Howie Roseman and the Eagles. If you did a survey of the 32 teams and how many of them thought they had, were like buttoned up and great, with their off-ball linebackers, I mean, how many would say yes? Five? Fewer? Like, you know, you talk about the Ravens. You talk about the 49ers. It's sort of become this, this position that gets attacked. And when you have a bad one, the great offensive coordinators from, you know, the, the Shanahan schemes that uh, Sean loves, they're just attacking them. Like, uh, you know, doing all these previews for the playoffs, it's like, can the team defend the middle of the field? And, oh, the other team loves to attack the middle of the field. Now, the Eagles are the exception. They don't believe, you know, between the numbers. They believe you kind of get a penalty if you throw the ball uh, in between the numbers on offense. But maybe that will change uh, next year. We'll see. But the great offense is right now, I mean, they are attacking the middle of the field relentlessly and putting your linebackers in binds. And most teams, I'm telling you, like two-thirds might be conservative. Most teams do not have the linebackers to consistently deal with that. So the coaching aspect you mentioned is so, so important. Does the coach know how to put the players in positions to succeed? Are there other answers they can come up with to defend the middle of the field? Because that right now is such a big, big deal in my opinion when just you watch the playoffs and you watch the good teams in the NFL. So let, let's move to corner which because what you just said was really interesting. Sean, you said maybe maybe corners can be hidden more than linebackers where it's like this is not the way the Eagles franchise has operated not that they've drafted a lot of corners but certainly the investment in corner has been more than linebacker over the years the old school shield and me would go what are you talking about like you, cornerbacks can be hidden more than linebackers all these different formations where they're just getting your corner on an island whether it's quarters whether it's cover three but a three by one like it's so easy to expose those guys on -on one-on-one so explain to me what you mean by that
1: yeah maybe i went a little too far saying corners overall can be hidden more than linebackers (laughs) i will say that a lot of times they're going to be one of the cornerbacks they're playing you know in that cover two technique where they're either pressing or they come down close to the line kind of late right after the snap and they're playing the flat so yeah, you know, hiding is, I think, an unfair word. You can still get attacked in that way. But that is a totally different role. Now, as I think you said smartly there, where you got three receivers to one side, one receiver on the other side, the, it, the system does really depend a lot on, hey, you're going to have to be able to lock up one side a lot of the times. A lot of times, that's between the cornerback and the linebacker to that side, because that'll be the weak side of the formation. So I would say, you know, I think you can hide one. Uh, obviously, you know, offenses are going to do everything that they can to manipulate and. You know, send all the routes at that specific player. And, you know, really based on formation, particularly, I think the Bills had some success this year where, like, they against the Dolphins were the first time they played where you get heavy inside, you only have one receiver on the outside. At that point, it kind of just locks up a lot of the time. So that's a good way that offenses are able to kind of manipulate it and really attack you. So, hiding shield, I, I will admit, I went a little too far there. I just think that you can do different things to ease life on cornerbacks in that way. And, it's not that, you know, this technique is a lot easier than this technique. I don't have to explain, you know, the, the, the beauty of cover four and covering, you know, outside and deep and how that is a, a different level of responsibility for a cornerback where, you know, you, you match in a little bit of a different way, but even within those calls the, that does end up just as man coverage and whatever your zone coverage call is, eventually it becomes man coverage because you're locked uh, on a player in match coverage specifically. So, you know, I think that there are, are ways to be able to kind of mitigate. Uh, the level there like to me you know cornerback wouldn't be the first pick overall if banjo had his pick of all pros in terms of positions
0: that's interesting and yet he you know he's had some great ones uh at least in his last two stops with patrick sertan and jalen ramsey but yeah i think your your point is you're not uh coming out playing cover one at you know a top five percentage where it's just man cover single high safety go lock this guy up um Type deal. So that's interesting when we look at how they might allocate their resources. We know they're old and not good at corner right now, but maybe, you know, you can make do with some of that. All right. Now, the most interesting thing to me safety. The stars have to be maybe of a fancio defense. I mean, based on what you're describing, Sean, I mean, my head's spinning. I mean, if you're safety in this scheme, you're all right. You're starting out in two, but then you're going to rotate and you got to do this and you got to be able to. I mean, these have to be smart, high-quality football players, right? This is not the area where Fangio's going to go into his thing with Howie and Todd. Get, get me anyone you want. Don't worry, I'll, I'll work with them. The, this is an area where they might actually, you know, based on what they think of the players on the roster, Reed Blankenship, uh, Sidney Brown, uh, I, I would doubt that Kevin Byard is going to be back. Based on what they have, they might have to go out, and if we're talking about free agency, where are they going to spend? This could be that spot uh accurate or unfair
1: i think that the safety position is is obviously it's important that the interior defensive line can you fit the run from a light box but your safety is so two safeties are so important in this part of it is are they versatile enough where you know you're not tipping everything off by you know okay well we always know that this safety is going to drop into the box we know exactly what coverages you're going to get to we feel more comfortable with that and he i mean he's got a real good list of you think of Eddie Jackson, you think of Justin Simmons, you think of Javon Holland, really, even last year, I think he played really well in a lot of different ways. You have to be able to fill space in the run game. You have to be able to relate to routes. You have to be able to know when that you're taking the receiver from the nickel and when that player can kind of drop back. And then when we talk about, you know, it's it's really hard to, quote, hide linebackers, but one way to take a little bit of stress off them is, you know, you drop that safety down in coverage, and now the linebacker just has less, like, physical space that they have to cover particularly horizontally when they have the kind of support of the safety there so it's a it's a hard position I think I think that you know they like I, I love that Ajax ended up with the Fangio and they got to kind of be together because of that specific skill set whether it's the draft whether it's free agency I think that they're they're going to do something at that spot I'm excited to see what it is but it is really 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 important to have two reliable safeties not just one that you know, you feel like, all right, well, this player is always going to drop back. Obviously, as I said, you don't want to kind of tip things off as much as possible. So, I mean, would it be the first overall pick? I'm not sure. It would certainly be, I think, within the top three and something that Fangio is looking at.
0: That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I mean, that's one of the kind of the biggest takeaways here. Um, I think it's what you need from your safeties and sort of the state of the roster. Now, you wrote in your, in your wonderful book of Fangio piece, you were talking about the one coverage when he plays, uh, you know, cover one, but with a now do you like a lurk do you like rat do you like robber so this is one for those who don't know what I'm talking about when you play cover one which is just man coverage with a single high safety one variation is uh you have an underneath whole defender. So it's kind of like a free safety, but it's in the, what we were just talking about middle of the field. So then your other defenders can play with certain levers. They say, Hey, we have a guy in the middle of the field who can you know, take away those in breaking routes. So first of all, I want to know whether you like lurk rat, right. I always like the little rat, you know, that's, that's kind of fun to say, but also is that generally, I mean, is like, like uh, a safety best suited for that in today's NFL. I know it can be a linebacker if that guy's really athletic, like kind of how do you see that role in the scope of all
1: this? So in in terms of names, I try my best to not be a name stop. I think it's so important. Like, can you like, can you just describe it? Like, are are we describing the same exact thing? So like Fangio, I think they'll use um, like or like I like using Lurk for linebacker because just like there's the kind of the L association there that that's really uh, kind of a nice one. I'm pretty sure that they'll use Lurk for like, okay, cover one. And then you're the linebacker is that low hole player. I like using rat for you know it's a defensive lineman that's dropping out. And then I like so again it's I think that I hate this part of it. Chill the the naming conventions don't make sense, and I think (laughs) that those are too gatekeeping. Like I understand you know like Fangio has his list of terms, and like we'll talk about it a bunch uh, through this year. But then to me the like what I'll say is is robber or uh, cover one robber where it's like okay the safety. And really, you know, <laughs> this is it's just so overcomplicated. Like, OK, like are the safety and the linebacker two on one in with the running back? And then based on the running back release, who is dropping? Like I like just you, you go after the fact. If the safety is dropping, we can just call it Robert. I think I think we can kind of agree on that. I think <laughs> that it is a little bit better when it is a safety. I will say they do a good job of they'll get to lurk with the linebacker. Let's just do the L association there where whether it's, you know, shorter distances and then she'll want to make it more complicated what like Nick's good old Nick Saban would call one cross where you have it's just like Robert but he's dropping to the first down marker so I, I apologize everyone for the for the the two minutes of of, of over <laughs> over complicating something that we could definitely make more simple but to your very direct question I think it it helps to have a safety be that player to drop and like you're dropping that way usually away from your nickel cornerback to stop crossers because offenses love to do that so you know, particularly you got three receivers to one side and you got one receiver to the other. You think of CD Lamb at that innermost spot running across your formation. If they're running right into your safety, just stand, your opposite side safety, just standing there, that is really, really nice. If your linebacker is going backwards and running all the way back, I think the quarterback is going to feel more comfortable making that throw. So having a safety that is able to do that is just like a positive thing. Hopefully we get in enough third and eight situations. We get a little bit better efficiency from the Eagles this year. In those downs this year. So that is an, an important role for his safety. And that is, I think, that's something that Fanjo used a lot in Denver. And that to me showed, like, okay, if you feel comfortable playing man coverage, he's gonna do that now. Will he in Philadelphia? Yeah, maybe not as much. But that, that specific act of like a safety opposite a strong side receiver doing that, that happens in so many of their different coverages. Like in cover three, it's not like the safety just runs down to the flat and just covers that area. A lot of times that safety is just gonna hold still and prepare literally for that exact thing. So it's like that little rule kind of within it. So yes, to, to answer your question, yes, important that a safety can can do that particularly to stop routes that offenses love to use.
0: There you go. All right. Let's finish up with a few things here. One is, you know, you as you've pointed out many times, you're a positive guy. I sometimes like to look at, you know, how could this uh actually go wrong. So, you know, Drew Rosenhaus, I don't know, he just, he does Miami TV, I guess. I'm not really sure where this clip circulated from, but uh, he was making the point that, that maybe not all of the Dolphins players loved playing for Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, you know, Solex got the great theory. Great defensive coordinators. Gotta be old or gotta be jacked. He is older. I'm not saying he's old. He's still got his fastball. He looks good. You know, I'm sure uh, he's probably doing stretches like I am every morning, but you know, he's going to, he's little, you know, old school, crusty. Some might say hard knows he doesn't like the Ravens organization. We learned that a couple years ago when the Broncos played the Ravens and the Ravens went for their streak of hundred yard rushing games. And he crushed them afterwards and said he wasn't surprised coming from that organization. Obviously had some issues in Miami. I don't think the plan last year was let's get Vic Pancho for, for a year and then move on. And the defense actually played pretty well. So that tells you there was some kind of conflict there from a personnel standpoint. I'm sure Fancho, as we just talked about it, what he wants from different positions. Is he going to be able to see eye-to-eye with the personnel staff, with Howie Roseman in this building about who they should sign, who they should trade for, who they should draft? Those are some of the concerns, I think, um, if you're wondering about, well, settle down it's not all rosy this might not go great here so that's the downside and there is downside I mean a year from now who knows the Eagles could blow up their staff and Fangio could be going maybe he'll go join Jim Harbaugh uh, in Los Angeles and be like those are the glory days I know your quirks I don't need to you know get used to anything Jim uh I will be your defensive coordinator maybe he's gone there is upside as I've said before Best case scenario is this is your new version of Jim Johnson, where the guy's not going anywhere. You just hand everything over to him. He knows how to do more with less, and your, your defense is good year in and year out. So that's kind of how I see it there uh, with kind of the upside and the downside with Vic Fangio. Uh, last couple of questions here for you, Sean, and these are, these are good ones. I'm glad we have them on the dock. One is, has the Fangio system been, quote unquote, figured out? Like it's, you know, Howie Rosen was just talking about, you want to be ahead of the curve. You don't want to just follow what everyone else is doing. What is, what is everything we've heard about the NFL the last two to three years? Fangio this, Fangio tree, Fangio scheme. This guy worked with Fangio. This guy knows uh, every, like if every defense is not every defense, but if so many defenses are running some version of this, does it become easier to attack, to figure out, uh, to carve up, with some of these bright offensive minds in the NFL. So what do you say to that idea that they should be looking for the next thing? They should not still be following this Fangio scheme.
1: If I told you what the defensive coverage was going to be and, you know, we drew it up on kind of a whiteboard, every single one, you would be able to draw up a play that could beat it because you can think of the spaces to attack. It's too hard for a defense to cover every single blade of grass or turf on the field so for me it's less about you know this system has been figured out I do think and it has to be kind of noted that like offshoots of Fangio have not had the success that I think you would think of well oh this is the most like this is the kind of biggest thing I think that is a hundred percent true and that is why I would have been so like a, a little bit more discouraged if it was just kind of another person off of that but like even when we think of well if we say Mike McDonald is is the most, quote, ahead of the curve. It's not that these are the most complicated things or it's like, you know, this is this new form of coverage. It uses a lot of the same match principles that Fangio is going to use. It is so much, and I, I really think, uh, say it again, I think this is a takeaway. It is, like, because we're not even talking about the system anymore. Like, we are talking about the, the, like, the top of the tree. It's not just the leaves or, like, the fruit off of it. It's the roots. It's the stems. It's all of it. So for me, you know, I feel comfortable saying, you know, like, the offshoots of it maybe that's not the first place that you would go I think that if uh, you ask me on you know what you prefer I would love to just have defensive linemen go ahead and get up the field let's kind of play with our, our hair on fire I love that saying so much but Sheila I could tell you, you know, like outside zone is solved like you most teams are going to want to get into odd fronts they're going to want to do that for some reason Kyle Shannon finds his way to the NFC championship every every single year it feels yeah. like and they run a ton of outside zone. so there's enough small tweaks to things whether it's you know now Fangio I think we will do this more often where usually that linebacker is just locked up in man coverage on the running back but you know if the running back looks like they want to kind of stay in coverage a little bit you go ahead and add that linebacker onto the pressure The little green dog for the actually I'm sure you've, you've written about that in love in green the past dog. yeah th- so that's something I think that is a little bit more of like a, a quote modern thing I think we didn't see that as much in the last few years where now we see it more and more so to me there's like enough small tweaks in it and then again i mean he had like he had success just just last year now you go by some of the numbers that like you have to cut it up a certain way i get that so i i'm comfortable with the allegations like is the system figured out i think it's like i I guess i reject the premise of the question shield because it's (laughs) it's it's more it's more of like this is the guy who's putting it all together so it's not about is it you know is this person going to be comfortable with the adjustment? Because for me, it's like, yeah, you're going to have problems on defenses because offenses are really, really good. Can you solve those problems? And Fangio has shown that he knows which of the levers to pull to be able to help your defense. So, you know, is the system solved? I mean, Shil, we, I think all the all defenses are solved because, you know, when you were covering Pete Carroll, we were all talking about drawing up plays on our note cards to single high defenses. Offenses see it more. Quarterbacks grow up seeing it more. They're comfortable with it. At this point, safety rotation is not going to just blow the quarterback's mind. It's not the same way. So, yes, there is a little bit of an effect that the defense, by more defenses doing it, offenses are comfortable doing it, offensive coordinators are going to draw up more plays to beat that. But this isn't like a diluted form. It is the, like, purest form. And, look, if it just awful is awful the whole entire year, we need to give it up. Sheil, and I need to take down the article, and I need to stop telling people about <laughs> about how important this one is i think you know that that is in the realm of possibilities but i think the the smartest thing you said is it guarantees you competence which that's what we need that, that's what they need yeah. i think with an offense that is is so good so i feel like uh the question i i rejected shiel <laughs> I, re- I reject it wholesale
0: the book of mcdonald um,
1: <laughs> but she'll, i think like I'm that sorry. is i'm so glad you say that because like <laughs> that is the defense that everyone should be studying. that is the like that is the one that's been successful. Why is it successful? They do a really, really good job of making like their alignments in in ways look really similar. You know who else does that? Vic Fangio does that, I think, at a really high level. The Ravens do an awesome, awesome job of dropping exactly where you want to attack. Who else does that? Vic Fangio does that. They just do a little bit after the snap and how they relate. Now, Mike McDonald, I think has done an incredible job in his pressure packages. Big Vanjie, he, he attacks a little bit differently, so maybe we watch a little bit of that. So when I was thinking about it, and I was doing my my pre research and in anticipation of something, I'm obviously glad we didn't have to talk about 15 defensive coordinators. Look at the best defenses. Why are they good? And it's like, wait, Big banjo is is good for these similar reasons too. So is it the expression of it? You know, is it a little bit of players here and there? I think Mike McDonald is so special in a lot of ways, but whatever you think about the system like the, the person itself is, is a little bit different.
0: Yeah. You can't overstate how much football the guy has seen, right? Like you mentioned, I mean, he has to think about it when he's with the Niners and Colin Kaepernick, it's like, Oh my, what is this zone read? I mean, you're running the quarterback. What a look? Like, we were literally 10 years ago. Those were the conversation. You can't do that. The quarterback's going to get injured. And now it just it's like half the league is doing that, that he's in Miami and he's working with. Mike. Now we're talking about the Shanahan. This is what's in Vogue. He's seen practice. He's seen reps of that. He has inside knowledge of these different schemes. So, uh, flexibility, important ability to adjust is important, but this guy, like there, there's really not much this guy has not seen. And so, uh, you know, he, he's coached different players. He's coached different schemes. He's had different staffs. He's had to coach in different ways. And so like all those things, um, should certainly work to his benefit to raise the floor. Again, raise the floor of this defense. And who knows? Maybe some of these players really excel. Maybe you have a good draft. Maybe you make some moves. Like, it's not out of the realm that this is an awesome defense next year. It could be. Um, so we'll we'll just have to see what moves they make. Uh, and then the last thing here I wanted to ask about, Sean. I feel like Fangio, really, the buzz around him really started when there was this uh, ESPN article, I think it was John Kine, the uh, Washington Commanders reporter for ESPN.com uh, asked, I want to say Shanahan, McVeigh, I think LaFleur too, maybe. But basically all these guys, who is the hardest defensive coordinator to go against? He asked them separately, I believe. And they all said Vic Fangio. And from that point on, it was just like, oh my gosh, if they're all saying that, this guy is God. Yeah. So um, why do you think they said that, uh, you know, at that time, because I do really think that guy he had been coaching for a long time, and he was like, "Oh, yeah, it's a good defense, but after that, it was like, this is the guy that everybody needs to be paying attention to why Why do you think they said that?
1: I think when a lot of those plays, like we saw it, I think the Texans a lot this year, where they had so much success when defenses are in one high coverages, they force you into that where i I love the like you know you gotta earn your one high looks uh when you get kind of heavy on offense. I do think that When you drop all your plays to beat that, the opposite of that, which I guess if you consider an opposite, starting in a too high shell, like that makes life a lot hard. There's that, you know, you're going to have to see how things happen post-snap, where I think that if you ask Kyle Shannon, I think he would want his quarterback, like, to post-snap process very little. He wants him to kind of point and shoot in a lot of ways. So that is something that takes away that. And then the high-level philosophy that we talk about, I think Fangio is, like, one of the first ones to, although everyone probably did this, like, he really got credit for it. Like, super super patient on defense so much like you need to take another snap every single time like you know the way that the safeties are coached to get involved with the run game and actually something for them specifically like the way that shannon will do their blocking scheme sometimes they'll do it like on like a count system and like because the safeties are back you know there's like all right well is this player counted in like as part of our blocking scheme because a lot of times in run schemes right your quarterback's not blocking you're 10 on 11 one player is going to be unblocked, So. Now the safety presents late and that messes up kind of a lot of your blocking system. So I think that like, if you don't, you don't have to listen to me and say, all right, well, this is a system that is really good. If the best guys are saying it, I think like that, that is a really, really important thing. I think like a defense that is like the flexibility, the, the all those annoying words like multiplicity and adaptability, Mike McDonald, that's that's a really big thing. I think that he should get credit for this year. I think it's something that Vic Fangio himself should also get a lot of credit for. And I think that the, like the hires that, Sean McVay obviously made, you know, uh, he gets beaten that Super Bowl a year later, he hires Brandon Staley. That is because he's trying to get part of that, you know, that Fangioism like in his like on his team. And he's tried to kind of continue that going forward. So I think there there could be a few reasons why they say it, but that they say it is really, really nice. And I, I'm glad you said that Fangio just had that whole entire year uh, in Miami where you see um McDaniel there who like I would consider maybe closer to Shanahan than McVay and hey you know some like really the only thing that matters is can you beat the 49ers right
0: big Phillies fan also uh Vic Fan, like as you were saying McVay I was like man if Raheem Morris got hired a couple days earlier by the Falcons McVay is probably like we got to go get Vic Fangio but listen uh Phillies fan so you're not going to be able to go to you know 81 Phillies games a year when you're living in los angeles so um you know we'll we'll put out the ask if anyone has an inside um you know track to vic fangio if he wants to be on any of the post game phillies pods uh you know during the playoffs or even review the season spring training coming up during the season whatever would be happy to have him. i won't even ask him about any of this sean already explained the complicated he won't be able to explain it better than 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 sean did uh so we'll just keep it the strictly <laughs> Phillies questions for Vic Fangio. All right, here are my big takeaways. Let's end it with this, because now that I'm uh, I'm digesting all this, I reread your piece yesterday before it, heard you talk about it. So in terms of fronts, we're not going all the way, Jim Schwartz, but don't worry, we're not also going. Just sit back and read and react. It's kind of a mix of both. They have players in Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis who have played this type of style before. Uh, I like that. And the edge defenders, well, you know, it's still third down. Hey, listen, edge defenders, it's going to be a lot about third down. Can you get after the passer? So we still got that. We're not blitzing a lot. However, we're also not just lining up in four, and those four are getting after the quarterback. It's going to be creepers. It's going to be simulated pressures where you still have the numbers in your favor. You're dropping seven. You're rushing four. But we're not letting the offense know which four uh, we are getting after. Personnel questions, big ones, linebacker safety this offseason this could be music to some of your ears if you're an Eagles fans like now you have a defensive coordinator who's going to kind of demand or need more talent from those spots and if you don't have it maybe get more from them safeties the big one like you mentioned they got to be the stars of this defense and not that we can you can never totally hide a corner there's going to be third down there's going to be man coverage there's going to be some single high but not necessarily where you would make the most massive adjustment he's not rewriting defense, Vic Fangio. But you hope that the techniques, the way he's teaching it, the way players are absorbing it, it's going to look really good by maybe the second half of next season, maybe earlier if there's, you know, a lot of crossover and they pick it up from earlier. And then there's the crustiness factor. You know, if you've got a little negadelfian in you and you're saying, oh man, is he going to be like punching somebody uh, by the time week eight rolls around? Or is he going to be, you know, want to ask out of his contract uh, at the end of the season? Uh, I think those possibilities exist because listen, you get older, I'm older, you get older, you know what you want, you don't get it. And you say, all right, screw you, I'm moving on. So we're going to get a little bit of that with Vic Fangio. It's possible. All right. What do you think, Sean, for that summary? Did I get anything wrong? Did I sum it up? Is there anything else you need to add?
1: Sure. I thought. I think you, you hit it on the head well. I, I love that you, like, you know, guaranteed competence. And that is all that I feel like the Eagles need. Yeah. You know, it's obviously the roster is driven particularly, I mean, even salary cap wise by the offense. And I think that if you, I really think you know, if you took the same roster, I think Fangio could get that defense uh, like in in the twenties, which is really like like that's all you need in a lot of ways. So even if you can get yeah. that defense to like fifteen, and I like that you mentioned the point of because you know it, it is a system; it takes a little bit of time to learn and stuff. You want to peak towards the end of the season, where I think this year where we kept saying you know well, you peak later in the season. Sometimes you don't get that peak. I think that you know they absolutely can have an instance where like that week eighteen or week eight to week kind of eighteen stretch, they're like hitting these numbers that were like oh wow they're like pushing up kind of in a lot of ways. So a defense that's able to kind of peak at the right time, people are able to get in that system. And like I said, like, like, do I expect them to be a top 10 defense? At this point, no. I'm excited to see what the roster turns into, but be average. That's what we need. Be average, make a turnover when it counts, game plan against the best offenses. And I think the Eagles are going to be able to have success.
0: I mean, it's, it's, I write about it all the time. If you have a top five defense and a, the 16th rank, uh, sorry, top five offense and the 16th ranked defense, you're, pr- you're probably going to win your division and be in the mix for the Super Bowl. I mean, that is the way the league is now. Offensive efficiency is king. And then be good enough on defense. Don't have to be great. I, You know, we talk about those Bengals teams with Louis. You don't have to be great. But when you have a matchup in the playoffs against one of these great quarterbacks, offenses, coaches, do you have a game plan that can slow them down? And that's what you're hoping you're getting from Vic Fangio. All right. Uh, Cliff, you wanted to finish with one voicemail you want. We're going to do a whole voicemail episode next week with Benny souls, but you wanted to kind of, uh, wet our beaks a little bit with one voicemail as we finish this thing out.
2: Yeah, I did. Uh, because, you know, we want to solicit some more, you know, user interaction. I feel like we just haven't really been doing that just because the season was so crazy. It was so wild. So let's get back to that, man. You know, these, the real Philadelphians love us, but I got to say, we got a caller from uh, Australia that has some uh, some nice choice words. So let me play this real quick. G'day guys,
1: it's Sam here from Brisbane, Australia. And I want to talk about Howie in the front office. I feel like in the preseason, everyone was saying the Eagles had the best roster in the league or, or top three at worst. You know, fantastic Howie, no notes. And then six months later, the same talking heads are saying, oh, well, of course this defense was doomed. Have you seen the back seven, it's terrible.
0: There's been a lot of talk about bringing new ideas and new people onto Nick's coaching staff. But my
1: question to the one bald Indian, bold enough to take a stand on 30 year old corners. And I guess to his skinny white mate as well is what concepts or what personnel should
0: Howie be looking in to bring into the front office to stay fresh in building this roster. Thanks boys. Love your work. Uh, First of all, amazing Australian accent. Number one in the power rankings. In my book, love it, Sam. Thank you. I mean, you know, he's a loyal listener because he gave me credit for uh, you know, the 30 year old corner thing. I was screaming <laughs> on top of the mountains before the season, everybody, chill out with this defensive roster. These guys fall off a cliff quickly. I was giving you the numbers, yo. You Happy weren't wrong either, me. yo. <laughs> yeah,
2: yo, I, I think, I think at some point, like week five, I was like, I was like, damn, Bradbury's slate aged 10 years before, yeah,
0: I. it happens. This is not uh, new, so okay, so he's, but you know, uh, I think that the defense, now the defense, remember before the season, not to, you know, uh, throw shade at Betty souls, but we did a a show about where do you think the Eagles defense is going to rank? And I said 16th, 17th. I mean, it's on the ringer.com. I thought it was going to take a big step back middle of the pack. He didn't think so. So some of this, not to say I know everything. I've been wrong about a million things. That was one thing I saw a step back. I didn't see this much of a step back. Now I will say this with Sean Desai, they were like 22nd in DVOA. We forget this. It, not to say, decide did like a great job. They were not the disaster they were, where guys didn't know what to do. That's why that move was so disastrous at the end of the season. So, um, you know, what new i voices? How is not going to bring in a lot of new voice? Come on, this is this is this is uh, not to say like he's had good people work under him. They've gone on to other organizations. They've been GMs. That's not like a knock that he doesn't bring anybody in. But like this is his show. Like his job is literally to take the input from. Analytics, from scouting, from coaching, from ownership. This is what being a GM for most or a lot of organizations in 2024 is. It's not just you're not on the road scouting everybody. You're taking the information from people you think are good and trust and you're putting it together and you're making decisions. Now, to Howie's credit, I'm telling you, this offensive roster. We might never see a GM for the Eagles put together an offensive roster. So this is me defending, Howie, that's as good as the roster you had in 2023. Like that isn't, that should not, they should not have been 10th in DVOA. With better coaching, that is a top three unit in the NFL. You had a top five offensive line. You had a top five group of wide receivers. You had a top five tight end. Your running backs were good enough. And Jalen Hurts the previous year was much better. And most of the people were healthy. That is on coaching, coaching, over the front office. I think they knew with the defense, they weren't going to be as good. I think they thought what we were just talking about. I think they thought great offense, mediocre defense were contending for a Super Bowl. They still won 11 games. They were in the wild card round defense, complete disaster. Offense wasn't well coached. So um, I'm sure you'll see some changes with, you know, the, the front office. Like I do think they try to identify talented people and bring them in. But again, at the end of the day, it's not like a, you know, just the way like, like, and he's, you know, they've gotten to the Super Bowl twice in six years. Like, you know, for all, like I've criticized Howie way more in the past. I think he's been on a pretty good uh, two or three year run here, maybe the best of his uh, career. So I don't know that that's necessarily like what they should, that they need, like a new voice in the front office. Um, I think they've made pretty good roster decisions here for the most part. You're not going to be strong in every area. Um, but they've been very strong on offense, which is more important than defense. And now we see what they do here uh, when they get the new coordinator in, in Vic Fangio. So there you go. That's my answer. Thank you, Sam. That was awesome. Uh, thank you for the shout out on the corner thing. Uh, and yeah, nothing wrong with being a handsome, bald Indian man that, you know, Cliff was saying he disses you. That's a compliment. My book, you know, Cliff, that I refer to myself as that. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Definitely so, do. What's the voicemail line, Cliff, if people want to get in the show next week? And by the way,
2: this is a Philly pod. This is not just Eagles. So if you got any questions, we we talk Flyers too, by the way. So if you got any Flyers questions as well, 215-315-7982. So hit us up, um, Sixers, Eagles, Phillies, whatever. Any question. By the way, chill, I forgot the Phillies have a series in London this year. I was totally looking into it. I was looking into it last night. You know
0: what? How are they going to do that while my girls are still in school? I mean Oh, it's it, the, the top of June. It's not over. School, do that after school's over. I would have been six hours. Give me a break. I'm there in a heartbeat. Maybe <laughs> do a little London meetup. up. Yeah, maybe we take, still take pull a out little, of school.
2: take we'll that see. little uh, ride up to New York. Take the flight out of New York because you know Philly, uh, that Philly yeah. airport flight's gonna be quadruple the amount the ones out of New, New, New York. York. Maybe do a little Newark. A little. Yeah. Little, you know,
0: take the Amtrak. Oh, I've done that before. Yep. I did that. Yeah. In
2: Stockholm. Yeah. Take, exactly. Take Amtrak so Amtrak New
0: York. There you go.
2: All right. But long story so, short, you know, we got, just bring up your questions, 215 315 7982. We got a bunch of voicemails. I'm going to go through them through the weekend. We're going to do our voicemail pod. It's going to be great. And we just going to get the people involved more. That's what we need yeah. to do. So we're, yeah,
0: big, big show coming up later this week. All right, Sean, you've, you've stuck around. You're probably like, they didn't need to keep me around for that Australian talking about shields, ball dome. I could have left before that, but that's okay. Uh, Sumer Sports, what are we, you know, I've been listening, Sean and Tej have done a they do a fantastic pod on so i'm telling if you want to be smarter about football like they are mixing the analytics with the scheme they're talking about these schemes i'm sure you'll be talking about the super bowl matchup which we don't know as of this recording but everyone go check that out on the sumer sports feed uh anything else to plug here sean as we look ahead to the super bowl and the offseason
1: chill i appreciate that you know follow follow at side schemes uh i i would would love you know keep keep increasing i love all the fangio love for people different people kind of reading the article rereading the article and chill you know if people come to the stats and scheme podcast on the Summer sports show feed you know i host it so there is a little bit where like you're the vic fangio and i'm the sean desai so like will it be a little bit diluted you know (laughs) no who's that patricia keep we'll him out like a, get him out I of here seen, we'll, we'll <laughs> see next year if i got replaced you know you know who who is that but like i said you know you gotta yeah i think mean, listen to the podcast it's fun give, give me some feedback i i don't have the same ability to extend that welcome at the start shield it's it's really special <laughs> for you i say welcome i you know, can't execute it the same way so you know follow along list along and then we're doing a super bowl preview kind of similar to the way that we did our playoff preview uh, that will be coming out. Man, uh, maybe was it like the the Tuesday before, the Monday before the Super Bowl, give people a little bit of break over that weekend. But you know, make sure you read Shill's picks column for this weekend. Cannot wait. It's going to be some some good football, even if it doesn't include the Eagles.
0: There you go. Again, we're recording this Friday, so we don't. You you know, when you're listening to this, who's in the Super Bowl? We don't know as we record this. And listen, Sean does a great job posting. So uh, make sure I, I, the map. Patric- I guess the map, Patricia, to end on this. If we want to extend the analogy, it would be like your co-host. Paige would just have no idea what to do. Like he would, be, do I speak now? What topic are we on? That that I think would extend it. If you know, you then turned into Matt Patricia. All right, that's not going to happen. Listen to that. Check it out. Thank you to Sean. This was no. You're not getting this anywhere else. Okay, this level of expertise on BIC. Frickin' Fangio, the new Eagles defensive coordinator, what to expect. We will build on this in future shows. We got a long way to go as they bring in personnel. We'll bring Sean back in uh, and we'll talk about it and we'll talk more about the Eagles, the OC search, all that stuff later this week. Alright, thank you to Cliff. Thank you to Sean. Everyone, appreciate you listening to the Ringers Billy Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9 with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770 stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPENY or text HOPENY in New York.